You're listening to the Joy Junkies Show podcast, episode 102. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 102. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Hello there, my dearest love. Well, hello, gorgeous. Hey, baby. <laughs> How you, How you do? doing? I'm doing... Uh, Jinx. You, uh, uh, uh. Jinx, you owe me a whiskey. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. How you doing? I'm I'm doing really great. Yeah? I'm I'm doing really, really great. You look amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I got my little kindness and grace necklaces on that I just made. Well, that's what I was referring to, of course. Of course. So you guys know that I'm always talking about handling, like speaking your truth, saying what the fuck you need, but doing it always with kindness and grace. And so I had been, I really want a tattoo of it, to be honest, but I'm so scared. Don't be scared. I'm so, all my friends are heavily tatted. I know. And I, I, you and I both have not one. No, not one. But I would love to get kindness and grace tattooed on me. But in the meantime, I'll just make baubles and jewelry. You, well, you know, you got to do what you do. Are you super bored yet? No. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're ready for a tattoo. You just don't realize it. I've been ready for years in the creative sense of it. Like, I have all these awesome ideas. I'm terrified with the pain. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're ready. I think I just have weird shit around... around pain like physical pain but i've had i've had like lipo i've had my wisdom teeth taken out i've had you had taste acts in your toe oh my god i had the because (laughs) because the pod people care about this but i had of all the surgeries i've ever had in my life the worst by far was my ingrown toenail ingrown toenail i know we will get to content by the (laughs) way We're going to get to some meaty Don't shit. leave, don't leave. No, it's, okay. this is a meaty topic, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really excited to share this. So uh, today we're going to talk about confessions of a life coach with an anxiety disorder. Um, Who would that be? This girl <laughs> who's got two thumbs and some serious fucking anxiety. This, this girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's one of those things that I, I feel so passionately about and ha- and I talk about it a lot in my private life um I talk a lot about it with my clients um but I I realized I had never really shared it publicly either in a blog or a podcast and I have no problem doing so right and in fact I think we've talked about it before where I'm like we got to do a pot on that we got to do a pot on that that's true so um I really just kind of wanted to share my story about dealing with anxiety disorder. There's a lot of people out there. As a matter of fact, I was just walking the dogs and uh, I was like, oh, you know, and I ran into a neighbor and he was like, oh, where are you off to? And I'm like, oh, we're going to do our podcast. And he's like, oh, really? What's the topic? And I'm like, oh, it's on anxiety. And he's like, oh, a story of my life. So I think it'll reach a lot of people. Well, I think there's a lot of weird stigmas that people have about it. Yeah. Um, 
and that's one of the things that I really want to shed light on really and and coming from a place of always looking for self-care always looking for how can I really love and take care of myself the best I can I think I might shed a little bit of a different take on it that mm. people don't look look for necessarily it's always so, nice but before we do that we should probably do something really light and airy right yeah something fun so how about a little would you rather so today's Would You Rather is a uh, tech question. Ooh. And it's Would You Rather Lose $2,000 or Lose All Your Phone Contacts? $2,000. Easy, right? Well. But, God, two, two grand though. Like, that's. No, I think. It's not a drop. Isn't that funny how, like, I'm so willing, like, I'll give up money to protect my my tech like if you said or redo my website or some shit like that it would be like two grand done it would yeah. take me longer in time to it's just not worth it to me but think of all the phone contacts con- that you don't use that if you lost you'd be like oh fucking finally I cleaned my phone be, contacts out I think, and you could rebuild it right and and everyone and anyone you need is on Facebook is on Facebook <laughs> it's on social media so it's not like you wouldn't be able to be in touch with them. So now that I think about it, I think I would much rather... If it was lose my phone altogether... No, 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 your contacts. If it was just my contacts, that'd be fine. So you'd be like, I'd rather lose my contacts. I think so. Yeah, now that I think about it, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. How about you? Man, I don't know, man. My, I've got a new relationship with money. I think I'd lose my contacts. I wouldn't... I wouldn't lose the two grand. You got a new relationship with money there, I huh, got a Smith? New relationship, yeah. <laughs> we well, re- we renewed our vows. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, uh, that's actually another question that a, a listener had submitted around money, so we'll definitely have to put that in another okay podcast, All especially right. since we've been dialing that shit out lately. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at. I think I'd rather lose my contacts. Yeah. Um, and then and then part of me is like, well. Okay, well, what if it was my phone? If I lost my phone versus two thousand dollars, and it's like, well, it would, it wouldn't. I don't even know if I have cloud backup, and well, I, that's I, not the fucking question. I guess I don't even need to worry about that. That's right. So this is this, yeah. is this is the classic case of how I make more work for myself. Yeah, you make a bigger deal. Even enough. Would it's you rather? Just your contacts, baby. <laughs> it's just your contacts. So yeah, I pick that. Well, how about you decided contacts too? Yeah, yeah. I'd keep the two grand. Thank All right. You. So how about you? You can uh, swing by the podcast page, um, thejoyjunkie.com slash one hundred and two, and you can let us know your thoughts. And if you are listening on your phone right now, text the word junkie J U N K I E to the number six six eight six six, and you can get my free workbook. Uh, it also comes in audiobook format, and it's basically nine different challenges that you can do throughout your week that will help you radically improve your self-love and self-confidence. Mm. Um, so it's basically taking a lot of the concepts and stuff that you hear on the show and getting into action around it. And it's totally free. That's awesome. So if you're on your phone, which most people are, just text JUNKIE to 66866, and we'll get that sent right off to you. 
You can free also, shit. Free shit alert. Hashtag free shit. Um, <laughs> but you can also find it on my site if you go to thejoyjunkie.com as well. Whichever. what, Whatever. Your pleasure. So let's talk about our fairly tumultuous journey through my anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorder. Yeah. Let's do it. So today, you know, oftentimes when, when we do the pod, I love like step by step and here's some action plans. And today I just really wanted to have somewhat of an open discussion. Of course, there's going to be advice and things peppered throughout. But I think that it's one of those issues that especially people in my age, your age, 50s, you know, in, in that like 30s to 50s, 60s range, um, we're fine if our kids have ADHD. We're fine if the if our grandkids have, um, uh, if they have Asperger's or if they have anxiety disorder, but not if we're in our 50s and we have anxiety. Like, we're really weird. Like, nowadays, it seems like we're hypersensitive to diagnose every child with 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 anything something with yeah. something yeah but i find that for many of us really i think it's it's people who are in their 30s kids of the 80s really mm. like in the 80s it was the only thing that you would be diagnosed with was add that was right. the only thing there really wasn't like depression anxiety um um, autism, social anxiety. There wasn't any of these names for things. Yeah. So. But there was cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and really crimped hair. So maybe that's where anxiety came from. <laughs> Everybody's doing cocaine and their kids came out like, Rah! well, it's interesting because my theory, and again, please, this is my, this is 100% theory. But the more hippie-ish I've gotten in my latter years, I feel like because of the ridiculous amount of chemicals that we had in our food, in our youth. Oh, yeah. Really prevalent in the Mm. 70s and 80s um, where fast food was really on the rise and quick quick meals like – we had TV the, dinners. We had, yeah, we had these things called Fun Franks. They, they were like these tiny... Oh fun Franks. Fun Franks. My brothers would fucking die if they heard this right now. They're, they're tiny. They're maybe like a four-inch tiny hot dog that was in plastic that oh. you would cut the plastic corner and microwave it. Wow. That's when microwaves got big too. Yeah. And yeah, microwaving plastics. Like, I really think that my entire youth was um i ingested a lot of chemicals yeah so i think like no wonder we have chemical imbalances and we have these disorders that are chemically imbalanced like no wonder so can we undo that sure i'm sure you know i'm sure you can do you know live on a commune and or do some really radical like raw diet shit and change your entire chemistry like knock yourself out I find that like my personal mantra has been to do the absolute best I can with the means that I have and really under like what's worth it to me. Yeah, not everybody can afford a vegan diet or raw diet or 
you know, go crazy like that. Or ranch where they, you know, grow their own shit. Right. You know, like Hormone I just feel free, like you, you do yeah. the best you can. So I digress. But um, <coughs> I've, I I personally feel that, that that could possibly be the genesis for a lot of the issue that we see. Very well could I be. don't know. I don't know that though. So my particular story, and, and here's what's interesting. Here is what is interesting. I can look back to my childhood and remember having pretty severe anxiety and depression um, in different phases of my life. Like I know for me, anytime I did anything like summer camp or anything like that, when I would get back from the summer camp, I would go into a massive depression. Like where I was wow. just so depressed that like the end of this awesome thing was over. Right. And I would amp myself up. I would be so worried and oh, like yeah. anxious but excited. But like, oh, what am I going to wear? What am I going to bring? What am I going to do? All these things. Um, and you still do that to an extent. I mean, it's gotten way better. But yeah, you still do that. You like still... where I get myself all worked up, mm-hmm. right? And so Any that... trip we take. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, trips are weird for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So I can look back and see some very uh, historical things that I've gone through in the different decades of my life. But when in about 2002, when I first started working in cosmetics, that was the first time when I started talking shop with a lot of the other artists. And that's when I finally met other people who said I have anxiety like themselves and I met other people who had this name for it right and up until then I thought I was just a worrywart a perfectionist an overachiever those like, are all the names for it before those, it was anxiety those are the fun terms we yeah. put like those are the noble terms like mm-hmm. if you're a perfectionist how noble how honorable that you care about mm. perfectionism not so much when it's a fucking mind meld where you just are obsessed about perfectionism or for me I was highly consumed by worry my anxiety and so for those of you who aren't as familiar with this from what I understand anxiety and depression are almost like a main course with a side dose you know like a little side order (laughs) so often this is how my doctor had described it to me that most often people will have something that is the primary main course, like a depression, with a side order of anxiety. For a me, side order. for me, it was the main course, the main platter was always anxiety. Right. And then I had these like side platters of depression. depression. Um, so those were a little bit more intermittent, but the anxiety was really enveloped by worry. And like I remember going on. You and I went on a trip to Las Vegas, and I woke up in the middle of the night worried to death that I forgot to turn my flat iron on, or flat iron off. off. Wow. Oh, I remember that, yeah. And I, I, my mind was obsessing on it. So instead of being like, shit, I hope I, for, I, hope I remember to turn that off, my mind like couldn't, I woke up in the night, I couldn't stop thinking about couldn't it. Couldn't let it go, yeah. Couldn't, and it was obsessive, like OCD, like uh, obsessive thoughts. Not necessarily obsessive behavior, but obsessive thoughts. Yeah. Um, to to the point where I got I got to a point where I was starting to dry heave, you know, and get Whoa. you know I really. Didn't know that. You did know that, yeah. It was, I mean, granted, this is like fifteen years ago. Yeah. But um, I guess I've had it under control for for quite a while, but um, 
I re- you know, it's situations like that where my mind just would attach to some sort of notion and I wouldn't be able to let it go. Um, mm-hmm. Another example, I remembered I had tickets on will call for a show in LA and I spent so much time worrying that I would get to the box office and they'd be like, we don't have anything under that name. Like it freaked me out so much to not have tangible tickets, you know, like, and so I would worry, 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 and I would schedule my worry. So like, for instance, if I knew that I had, let's say an interview on Wednesday and then I had a social function on Saturday and it was Monday, I would spend all, I'd be like, okay, you need to worry about your interview until Wednesday. And then once Wednesday's done, now we're going to worry about the social function. Wow. It was like scheduled out. Yeah. Like literally in my mind, I would go, here's the plan. And it was almost to the point where if I was out with friends or with you and I was having like a great time and we were joking and socializing, my mind would go like, wait a minute, there's something you're worried about. And it would like force me to like, you're getting too happy. There's some shit you need to worry about. Wow. Oh, and yeah. it would like stop my euphoria. I remember that. I remember those days for sure. And and I would always try to explain to you what was happening in my mm-hmm. head. You know, mm-hmm. I've always been so vocal and so, so much about communication. So, so that was kind of some of what I was going through. And so then when I, when I started working with these other people who said like, oh yeah, I've got anxiety disorder and they started telling me and I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. I thought yeah. it was just, I thought that's just how it was. I thought it was a worry ward or, you know, perfectionist or whatever. And that's when I really realized, oh, not everyone feels this way. Mm-hmm. Not everyone deals with shit this way. And like, obviously I was around you and I knew that you didn't. But I attributed that to you just being one of the most chill, even-killed dudes I'd ever met. Which I am. You, Which you are. You really are. But I just thought, like, he's got something special instead of I've got something a little abnormal. Right. You oh, yeah, I mean? interesting. You know what I mean? So, so you're saying I'm not special. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a bitch about it. It's not about me. <laughs> um. And that really became the point when I started to, well, what the the real catalyst for me to, to search out help around it, um, I got promoted probably in 03 or 04 to a higher profile position within the makeup artistry company I was working for. And the perfectionism and the, the obsessive thought and the worry was over the top like if a if a client or a customer would walk out of the store you know like a little sassy i would obsessively worry that somebody was going to complain i was going to get fired i was going every time my boss left me a voicemail i would be freaking out worry 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 and that is when i actually started the dry heaving and at that point I was really vehement, like no medication, no medication, no medication, no medication. And I had tried therapy and I had tried art and I had tried a handful of things. The limited knowledge I had at the time, mind you, I was in my early 20s. And um, it was some sort of event that I was a part of and that had me so stressed out. And I started dry heaving and you really so lovingly and so sweetly said, honey, I know that you really don't want to look at this as a medical option. But you really have done your due diligence. You've tried some art therapy. You've tried talking to a therapist. It might really be time to consider a medicinal option. And I was so sick and tired 
of fighting so hard and feeling so uncomfortable um, that I was ready. Yeah. I was like, okay, whatever. So I'm like, I made, I made a res- or a, an appointment with a doctor, a family practice, and I thought, she's probably just going to fucking refer me out. I don't know. But I got to start somewhere. I was pretty pessimistic about it. But she made the appointment. I made the appointment. So kudos. The doctor ended up being amazing. She talked to me for 30 minutes, and which is kind of unheard of these days. Yeah. And she she looked me straight in the eyes and she said, if you don't get a handle on this, this will kill you by the time you are 30. And I was like, what? Like, it, I didn't real, you know, in my head, I just thought, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a worry. Well, I take things way too seriously. I'm sensitive. I'm a, all these monikers that we put on ourselves, right? All these labor, labels. And when I realized like, oh, holy shit, like this could actually be detrimental to my well-being long term. Like she's like, you will give yourself a heart attack or, you know, a severe ulcer by the time you're 30. Um, I was like, wow, okay. So she prescribed me um, a sub-therapeutic dose of an antidepressant called Effexor that I still take to this day. And it's the smallest milligram. I probably also, because I'm quite tiny, um, <laughs> I'm quite tiny. <laughs> I'm quite tiny in the height arena, at least. <laughs> these All da- five foot of you. These days, it might, not so much horizontally, I mean. Oh, I don't know. Penis. I don't know. I digress. Um, but I started that medication, and I remember feeling like, First of all, I felt like I, my emotions got a shot of Novocaine. Um, yeah. Because I was used to dealing with things quite manically. So, I mean, I would look at you and just be so euphoric and like full of love and like enraptured by you. I felt like my heart could explode. Those Which are was my amazing. Those are my highs. Yeah. So my highs were extremely high, but then my lows were very, very low to the point where you would come home and I would be bawling my eyes out and you'd be like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I wish I fucking knew what was wrong. It sucks so hard to have the emotion of grief and sorrow and there's nothing wrong. Right. Like everything, everything's amazing. And I found myself like searching. So those were again, those were kind of like the side doses. Yeah. The majority of the issue was the worry. You know, and that that obsession of the thought process. So I started taking this medication and I could feel, this was the craziest thing, I could feel what the things were that would normally send me into a spiral, like when I would, you know, when my boss would call me. Um, That would normally make my heart sink or my heart like start pounding and I had no response to it. And I was like picking up the phone kind of giddy like, Oh my God, this is how normal, quote, normal people respond to things. Right. They don't make up shit until there's something to deal with, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is incredible. So then I started talking about it, of course, like I do with everything. I started talking about it with people, including my brother. And at the time, he was like, well, so what? You're going to be dependent on medication for the rest of your life? Really? Yeah, yeah. And there was this, and and of course, my parents told me, like, to give it to God. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, you know, if I would just turn to the Lord, things would change, which, of course, I was like, no, thanks. And, of course, that makes you feel not heard or not seen. Like, "Mm, right. So 
again, why I always tell people, speak your truth into ears that can hear you. Not everybody is able to hear what you have to say. Everyone can hear. Very few people listen. It's true. Yeah. That's... Not everyone. That's Most really people good. can hear. Not everyone can listen. <laughs> Not everyone. Yeah. So I remembered thinking, okay, so here we are in a society. Like, if you were born with um, one leg and you needed a prosthesis. I got one leg. I got one leg. <laughs> oh, my God. Adding a little humor to a really deep combo. Yeah, you got to lighten it just a little bit. A little SNL there All for right. you. A little Amy Puller hit. <laughs> um, but you would never tell somebody what you're going to be dependent on a prosthetic leg your entire life. Right. Exactly. Or somebody, you know, uh, with kidney failure and they have to do dialysis. Or what, you're going to be fucking dependent on dialysis? Yeah. But when it's mental, everyone thinks, well, you can just fix that. You're just not strong enough. Which I always thought, to me, that's asinine. Because when you're dealing with something that's cognitive like that, you are trying to fight a battle. With the very thing that you're... That is trouble. weak. Yeah. That is weak. You're trying to be strong with the thing that's weak. Yeah. Which is so frustrating. And and you're right. You can overcome it in a lot of ways. Like there would be days when I could really, really assert myself. And I would have to self-talk the shit out of myself. And it was exhausting. And so I, I shared that with you. And so then I would come home and I would just have a day where I, I, I couldn't get a hold of my thoughts. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And you would say to me, babe, you can do it. You can do it. You can. And you thought you were being really encouraging. It's and, all I knew. It's all I knew. And so this is, I mean, this is a little insight into how we've communicated over the years. And I would just like break down and be pissed because I didn't do it. Like it's right. not helpful to hear you could have been amazing and you chose not to. Like, that's how I read it in my mind. Right. So I had to tell you, here's what I really need to hear. And this was the beginning. This was really like the genesis of learning how to communicate. This was the beginning of your coaching career, to be honest. I think so. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. really in the communication aspect, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking what you need, giving, you know, having your voice. And so I told you, here's what I need you to say. When I've had a really bad day, it means I tried to fight and I gave in. I gave up. It was too hard. So what I need you to say is, it's okay, baby. You'll get it tomorrow. Right. It's always tomorrow, babe. And I really, and it was one of those things, like, I had to tell you what I needed to hear. Yeah. And you were amazing. And you you changed that. Absolutely. And then now in, the, in our latter years, since I've had it under control for over a decade now, um... And I'm still on that exact same medication, same, same amount. Yeah. yeah, for I've been, I oh God, it's probably been it, probably 13 years now, something right. like that. Um, and there's been little times when I've tr changed with like uh, insurance changed or things like that where I'm like, oh, maybe I can wean myself off of it. And then it's like a fucking nightmare. Like I'm a mess. I'm yeah. just a mess. And you've even said, I feel like you are more yourself when you are on medication than when you're off. Yeah. Which is exactly how I would put it. The same way somebody who got a prosthetic leg would be like, this is how it's supposed to work. Yeah, I feel a bit more human. Or yeah. when you get the hearing aid because you were born with bad hearing and you're like, this is what it's like to sa to hear. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. When we come to psychological things, 
we're not as forgiving as we are with physical disabilities. And it, there's some sort of weird, and that is why I feel so strongly about talking about it. Yeah. Because I feel like choosing medication for me was the win. I didn't yeah. lose. And so when I talk to my brother about this, I'm like, what's the fucking option then? What's the alternative to try to muscle through and have a shit ass life because I don't want to be dependent on it, on a medication? Uh, No. Guess who's hashtag winning now? <laughs> winning. That was even before, that was way before hashtags. Um, <laughs> we called those tic tac toes in my day. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a number sign back to me. <laughs> that was just a pound. Why do we we have a pound. million names for that? We didn't need a new one. We didn't. My brother and I talk about this all the time. Yeah. We didn't need a new name for hashtag. Anyway, um, so why is it that we feel like? taking care of yourself in that regard, we're losing somehow. Yeah. And I think it could potentially be because we've gotten prescription happy or people uh, really abuse narcotics they do. in a lot of ways. That is true. Sure. That, that does happen. And yeah. we see the negative side effects in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think we need is a shit ton less judgment. That's what I think we need is... It, you know, like I've had friends who have had severe anxiety disorder and they treat it with weed. And that is the absolute best option for them. Right. They they feel normal. They feel, you know, connected. They feel like their real self with weed. The same way I feel really like calm, normal, like myself when I take you know, medication. Right. The way somebody else might feel when they have a constant yoga practice or when they're always making sure they're exercising or they're in nature or they're honoring their spiritual path or their religion. So what I think is we just need a shit ton less judgment Yeah. to whatever anybody's answer is because we're all out there struggling. We're all out there just trying to feel good, right? Like I've talked about that a ton of times, like how our, our human drives are pursuit of pleasure or the avoidance of pain right we all have issues we all have pain we're trying to avoid and we're all trying to find this happiness so what we need to do is stop fucking judging how everybody finds that and deciding that there's a right and a wrong way um with the caveat obviously that you're not causing harm to yourself or you know if you're like speed is my way like right and then you're harming yourself and other relationships not right I just think there's a lot of right answers, and the more we can accept that, the more understanding we, we can be, and the more kind we can be to our fellow man. Yeah. Um, we don't have to say, that's my solution as well, or that's what I would do for myself, but we can at least say, like, good for you. I'm so glad you found your peace. I'm so yeah. glad you found your happiness. Heck yeah. So, um So, yeah, so that, that, that was, that's kind of my story, and now how it's changed a little bit because things have been quote normal and even keel for so long that I've had to almost tell you I've almost had to like retrain you about I'm not that same woman anymore right right because you used to withhold (laughs) things from me for a lot because you didn't want to you didn't want me to worry I didn't want to tip the scale so if there was financial issues or anything like that you didn't want to tell me because you didn't want me to worry. And so then I had to tell you, 
I can handle that now. I've got a good place for that. Like, don't hide that from me. As a matter of fact, when you hide it from me, it actually, like, does the opposite. Right. Yeah. And we, you just had to be really open. And, and I kind of said, like, please don't treat me like I'm still sick. You know, please don't treat me like I still go into those same spirals. I'm not that. I'm, I am not she any longer. Right. Like, I, I have different capacity. And, and sometimes when you're with somebody, you develop, like oh, I know what they're going to say, or here's how they operate, even yeah. though they're growing. So we've had to really converse about that a lot. And you you don't have any understanding of anxiety, really, as far as personal experience. So we've had to really communicate about it. Right. Yeah. No, it's true because I don't really, like I have anxious moments, but I don't have anything that feels like, quote unquote, a disorder. Right. So right. I can't empathize with the situation. I can only try to understand where you're coming from. I can only sympathize, right? Because, you, yeah, you used to say, like, well, can't you just calm down? And I'm yeah, like... Yeah, I'm like, just calm calm down. If I could fucking calm down, don't you think I would? Right, right. And the way I would try to explain it to people is, you know how you have that feeling of nerves before you go into a job interview or maybe before you have to give a speech... And you have nerves. Yeah. Maybe before you meet your girlfriend or boyfriend's parents for the first time. It's like having that sensation all, all the, the time. time. You can't escape from it. It's bound to make you fucking nuts. And think about how you are in those frame of mind. Like when you're going into an interview, you're like, oh God, I hope they I hope they think I'm awesome. I, you know, your mind is in a crazy whirlwind when you're in anxiety mode. Right before you give a speech, you're like, okay, you're going to be fine. You're gonna be fine. So even your your mental thought process is totally chaotic at the same so operating like that is really challenging so i think my um you know really the point of of talking about this so candidly and openly on the pod was to always my primary focus is going to be elimination of shame that if you feel this way if you operate this way, there is no shame in this. Like, you don't have to hide. You don't have to cower. You can actually, you can create a career of your fucking dreams. It's about consciously choosing things in your life that support your health and your well-being. And that will look different than the next guy. That's a great story. And that's a great takeaway. It'll, yeah, I mean, it'll look different than the next guy. Um... And that, that's the thing because people will be like, oh, you know what you need to do? Just don't eat gluten. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what you need to do? You need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> oh, you know what you need to do? Just hang crystals in your corner. Like, you just sniff glue. Every, or, you know what you need to do? You need to take Xanax. Like everybody will have their fucking solution, right? Everything, or, yeah, different things work for different people. The point is you don't need to take anybody else's truth as your own unless it feels right to you. Um it's about not having shame that this is an issue that you want rectified and don't try to be a fucking hero by just manning, you know, manning up and keeping quiet and handling it on your own. There is power in getting help. Yeah. In getting assistance, in talking to people. And you might not have the great experience with the doctor the way I did. You might have to go through a bunch of them. And in fact, she told me something that was so amazing. It completely changed my perspective around health. And she said, um, I really wish 
that everybody, everybody came with a manual that said, uh, Amy Smith, it does not react well to Effexor. She cannot take Paxil. She cannot take this. You know, I wish that was the case. It's not. It's not. It's trial and error. All we have is trial and error. And I had recently come off like a a pretty laborious um, experiment with different birth controls. So I really had a like a idea. lack mentality of like, I don't want to go through this again. And she was kind of like, well, do you still want to, do you want to feel like this? What's worse? Yeah. Every time we find something that doesn't work for you, we're one step closer to something that will. Right. You have to look at it from a different perspective. And so I did. Fort- and you still do. Yeah. And I still do. Um, <laughs> Fortunately, the first thing we tried did work for me, yeah. um, but I was totally committed to finding the answer because I knew that muscling through and my current mi- mode of coping, I didn't want to live like that. I'm sure there's plenty of people that can resonate, you know, with uh, with your plight. And uh, hopefully what this podcast does is help people take action to, uh, to really, uh, I, I hesitate to say get control. But to get management, address it of of their anxiety issues or whatever the issue might be, to uh, to help them live a better life. Mm-hmm. So I, I really hope that that reaches at least one person out there. Mm-hmm. And I I want to be really clear that this you know I think I have been, but that this was my answer. Yeah, this is not the answer for everybody. And I do think we're in a society that over medicates. I think we're like, oh, are you sad? Don't feel your feelings. Take these drugs. It's true. So I also think there's a difference between having like a legitimate social anxiety or an anxiety disorder, depression, versus something um, uh, situational like death or um, loss of a job where we're supposed to feel during those times. Like you're supposed to be bummed out, right? Like... You're not supposed to just stop feeling. We're, de- we're designed to feel. I think that's very different than somebody who has a chemical makeup that does not support optimal living. Right. That's very different. I could, tr- you know, so anyway. But again, I'm still not judging. I think it's about figuring out what works the best for you. Yeah. So. And um, one other thing. Hopefully there's also people listening that uh, can relate to their loved ones a little bit better that have something like this. Yeah. That they can reach out to them and make the effort to understand where they're coming from and what you might be able to do. You know, have them communicate to you what they need from you. Like, that's the other takeaway here. It's true, because it does feel... It feels very alienating to try to have to explain to you what's happening inside of me. Yeah. And especially if you're shut down, you know, I I had the great fortune that I was not shut down and I attribute a lot of my confidence and stuff, you know, to having that great support in you, you know, um, but I don't have any shame about it. I talk to my clients all the time about it. Um, I don't have any weirdness around like you're a life coach and you take medication. Fuck yes. I talk about self fucking care yeah and i am all about taking care of myself and i found the best method to do it um and you know and i will be really honest like i miss my highs i miss those euphoric like unreal that's why people leave the medication yeah because they're still they're they're searching those highs and i i had to 
I had to give those up to give up the lows. Right. You know? So that was, it was an interesting process. But it's even interesting to talk about this now because that woman was like a totally different human than who yeah. I am now. It's true. But I would I just want to know if there's anything you want to offer from being a loved one, like being someone who saw somebody through that. Well, just what I said, like being able to um, really reach out to them and make the effort that they can communicate to you exactly what they need. Like That's even if I saying. don't understand, even even if I don't get it, right. I want to understand. I, uh, or not, I want to be what you need. Not that I want to understand, but I want to be what you need. Yeah. Right. Like I may not ever understand. I still am unclear as an understanding of, of what it is you go through. Right. Right. But I can definitely be there as a support for you sure. in those times. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's that's what, what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who don't deal with it necessarily, less judgment. Like let's – just in general – Let's stop judging everybody's answers and everybody's solutions and everybody's processes, no matter what it is. It's, a hard, um, it's difficult to do, but you can do it. It's, it's possible. It's and possible. So I always step into curiosity. Like, I wonder what that's like for them. That's how I feel. That's, that's how I think. Like, when I, when I think about my clients, I'm like, what is it like to live in that body? Curiosity is yeah. the fastest avenue to uh, overcoming judgment. Yeah really just being curious about the human condition about mm-hmm. others. And then if you are struggling with this, reach out, find support yeah. somewhere. Um, whether it's therapists, doctors, um, uh, support groups online, Facebook groups, I don't care. Just know that there are people out there experiencing the same shit you are going through. Yeah. And there is support available to you. And it's up to you to be actionable about it. Yeah. So. That being said, thank you, everybody, for letting me voice that and share this. And um, Yeah, thanks for being vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do that fairly on the fairly regular. I do it on the regular. <laughs> but um, thanks, guys, for listening. We love you so much. We would love your thoughts. So if you cruise by thejoyjunkie.com slash 102, you can share your thoughts on this episode if you'd like. And while you're there, please pick up your free ebook on how to stand up for yourself without being a dick. Um, we love you, pod people. Yeah, we truly do. We'll see you around these parts next week. And here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Ow.